welcome to Feel Feelings with Danny and George, the show that talks about feelings and the things that make you feel them. Yeah, we actually, how was your trip? We didn't talk about that. The trip was good. I got a dog. What? <laughs> was that, when, how, when did you find that out? How did ba- you? Basically, Aruba has this like very uh, liberal thing. I mean, it's not set in stone yet, so I keep on saying like I got a dog, but it's not. Oh, an Aruban dog. Yeah, so uh, Aruba has a ton of stray dogs. <laughs> And um, there was this dog we kept on hanging out with us throughout the trip. I thought you were just changing the subject. No, Legit. no, no. I, <laughs> I, I was I, like, sure, it's nice. I have a dog now. Yeah, no, no. Uh, no, there was a dog that kept on following us around around the resort a bunch. And uh, we found out that Aruba has like a very cool deal where um, if you find a stray and it doesn't have any health issues, they will pay for the vaccinations and transportation back to the United States. No way. Um, and he kept on having a friend that was palling around with him that was a little older, so we were worried about him. Oh, uh, are you going to disappoint that friend? No, we got the friend too. <laughs> what? <laughs> so my mom is going to try to uh, foster um, the old man dog. And okay. Me and Casey to her place will be uh, uh, hopefully getting that dog for my mom, but my mom is also being very like secretive and not giving us full advice when we're like, we would really like this dog to start our relationship living together and like have this dog. And I think it's going to be good. And like, I've, I've, is she trying to keep dog. both of them? I think or she's trying to keep both the dogs. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a rough one. Did you name it already? Did it come with a name? In Aruba. So we, we were thinking Iggy, you, you know, how she girl. loves iguanas. Yeah. And you love Iggy, and you love Iggy Pop. Um, so we were thinking Iggy, but my mom named him how oh, something Ruba, like like how'd she come up with that yeah, one? Exactly, it was like it's Ruba and Poppy. It's like the other dog's name. It's Ruba and A. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think the time? Like, are you? Is it soon? Are you getting a dog soon? I would say with it. So it'll come in three weeks after. It's staying in a pet hotel right now. Is that there or here? There. Okay. Uh, but um, when it gets shipped, it's shipped to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where where my mom lives, kind of closer to where she lives. Okay. Um, and then we'll drive down probably in March or April and steal a dog. <laughs> I'm going to steal a dog, uh, and I'm admitting it on tape right now. Well, I mean, if it's your dog and you're stealing it, that seems I fine. I saw it first. <laughs> I mean... Did your mom have any eyes about this until you were like, Mom, we're getting a dog? She claims that she saw the dog first, but uh, I bonded with the dog first. So I'm going to steal that dog from a doddering old woman. Uh, Love you, Mom, but I love this dog more. I think that's kind of where it's at as of right now. All right. Well, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. This is our first episode. We're we're here for episode (laughs) one, though. We need a crime. Yeah. It's a good way to kick off any podcast is to give a crime report. I'm incriminating myself. Let well, dog watch 2020. Yeah, so we'll we'll keep checking back week to week here and see how close you are to stealing a dog. <laughs> if Iggy is yours or I'm gonna steal this dog, whatever its potential name might be, it could be anything at this yeah, point. The name is unknown. I'm I'm totally unaware of what the possible <laughs> names might be. I'm very good at keeping secrets. I'm not. I'm saying too much you, already. It's nuts that you're good at keeping secrets and more that you don't have enough friends to tell. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I do love telling people that I have a secret, though. So <laughs> I, I will never spill what yeah. that secret is, but I will tell everybody I have a secret. So what is this show? So uh, this show was a brainchild that's been dating back since 
2019. Way, way back. Yeah, between us, where um, we thought it'd be a good idea to talk about our uh, our feelings. And I, we didn't want to have like a full-blown, like, this is our replacement for therapy Yeah, show. it's not it's not a therapy show. It's still no. a pop culture show. Yeah, and but, it's... I mean, do you want to take it quick? Because this is your brainchild. I was I was asked to join in afterwards. Yeah, and you're going to make this was show... Was like your third choice? You were actually the first person. First person I talked to about it. This man's a liar. Literally the first person I talked to about it. I've had this idea for a very long time. And He's then I was like, keeping secrets. I, was like, <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to talk about feelings. And then I met you and I was like, I could probably talk about feelings with that dude. Let's do this show. Yeah, the homeboy that got a hopeless romantic tattoo yeah. on Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, that is, that, is, that is something that happened in between when we recorded the episode people are about to hear and when we're talking right now. Uh, so oh yeah, why don't you do a quick explanation of what this show is? All right, so yeah, the show we're gonna present our guests. There's no guests on this episode; it's just the two of us, so everyone can get a feel for it. But we will have guests, and we're gonna present our guests with two emotions, hopefully opposite emotions, but at least two different yeah. emotions. Later on in the show, as as we pick up speed, I do want to get just like weirder and weirder emotions. Oh yeah, like, we're like, is that a, is that an emotion or is that just an adjective? Schadenfreude in that yeah. Japanese one where it's your mouth is lonely. Oh, I don't know what that one is, but oh, yeah. we, we will get I there. I forget what the name of it is, but it's uh, it's um, eating when you're not hungry, but your mouth is lonely. I'm so happy that has a name because <laughs> I definitely feel that all the time. All the time. <laughs> I mean, especially right now when I'm starving and his my, my belly keeps confirming that. It's not even his stomach. It's reverted to his kidneys. Even yeah. His kidneys were like. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, somewhere just left of my spine was like, you should have eaten already. <laughs> so, so yeah, anyway, this show, it's, we will present them with the emotions and they have to bring to us something that makes them feel that emotion. Yeah, that could be like a song or a movie or a specific TV show or scene in a TV show or really just any sort of like media that renders that emotion. Yeah, and like I, I would extend it to pop culture because I, I do have some that I know are coming up that are, I mean, we are recording this well after we've recorded other stuff. Yes. But there's some other stuff that's just like, oh, that's a thing that happened. But as long as it's something that other people can experience, because it's, it's a way to get to know people and what makes them feel their feelings. Because mm -hmm. like everyone feels the same feelings, but no one feels them the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like when you uh, talk to someone, you're always talking to them about you know, their, their, their interests and stuff. And that can tell you a lot about who a person is and get to know them on like a deeper level rather than just like, like we see people regularly throughout comedy and our other ventures. I mean, you help run a label. I play music. Like you meet all these different people who walks of life. And then as you kind of talk to them, you find out about what they're interested in. You kind of get a, a snapshot of who that person is rather than just knowing them from uh, space or an area yeah you know? and it's always easier to talk about like internal things if you have something external to like hang them on mm -hmm. so like i mean in this episode we're talking about happy and sad we kept it easy for yeah, the first we, one we weren't giving our guests the easy ones so we're we're setting it up nice and simple we get happy and sad they have to deal with the harder ones <laughs> but they're they're very much like i mean i don't think anyone would be surprised by either of the choices that we make yeah but they're they're very much very like telling of both of us in like what we chose, why we chose them. And I think having these conversations with other people as we go with other emotions, we'll get to know a lot of other people in very like 
easy to handle ways. Yeah, absolutely. And like I, I think it opens people up to talk about themselves if it's framed in something else. And I want to know people better. I'm just realizing now that they're like our listeners. Sure, they'll get a snapshot of our guests, but they're going to know way too much about us by the end of this. That's true. We are doing every one. We yeah, we will participate in every. I'm going to take emotion. a couple weeks off. <laughs> I, I mean, gotta keep you gotta keep secrets. I gotta keep secrets. Yeah, I mean, we've we've already unveiled that I I know the potential name of this dog. I don't know the name of this dog. What what am I talking about? What I don't dog? know anything about what. Are you getting a dog? No. Anyway, I think I'm I mean a dog. <laughs> the, the episode will definitely, or everything we're saying will make more sense after you listen to the next part of the episode. We're gonna go into happy and then. After a little break, you'll hear our sad examples, and then that'll be it. You'll hear episode one, and hopefully you like it, and you like and subscribe and come back for more. And, I mean, that's what the show is. I hope you enjoy. And, yeah. All right. Yeah. Here's an episode with just us. Our guests are us. Uh, It was recorded a while ago, but uh, I think it gets a great snapshot of what we kind of want this show to be. So we'll see you at the end. Um, so why don't we start with Happy, because it's a more upbeat, uh, seemingly. So we're going we're gonna to go out on the low? Let's go Let's go out on the low. I feel like, you know, every good album ends with the slow song. All right. I like that. That's a good... Yeah. We'll go out on the ballads. Okay. Always go out on the ballads. All right. So so do you want to go first with your, your Happy? No, I want you to go, because I know you're going to be really bad about my Happy. <laughs> if, if anybody knows me, my Happy is so obvious. <laughs> Because there, there was a, a full year of my life from the day I saw this movie until a year later where I tweeted about it every day. I'm so glad we didn't meet during this point because I, I, I lost a lot a of friends. fledged like, fuck that guy comic. <laughs> I'm fairly certain most people wouldn't even know that I did it. <laughs> my Twitter gets so little attention. It's Danny Getz, Danny underscore Getz. Don't plug in the middle uh, of the show. <laughs> I plug all the time. I plug on stage. You're just throwing out business cards as you walk on stage. I, I have bits where I just say my website over and over again. It's DannyGetz.com. <laughs> well, I was doing something. I was hosting a show and someone was like, oh, yeah. Oh, it was a it was a benefit show that Nelms put on. Sean Nelms put on. Okay. And Benny Feldman walked up. and was like, "Hey, instead of a plug, just like tell people about my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get more followers on Twitter. And those were going to be the people. Yeah. Ugh. All right. All right. So, what is your happiest? Like, what makes you the happiest in the in the form of physical or visual media? For me, it is Paddington Two. The sequel, specifically I mean, the sequel. Paddington in general, I was I was a huge fan going into the first one, or coming out of the first one, not going in. I have no like childhood memories oh, of ben, Paddington. Yeah, you're not an English boy. Yeah, like I You're not an English lad. Like I, I vividly remember Corduroy, and I think that might be my I literary book. book of like bear book of youth. All right, here's the thing. Here's what we're gonna play right now. Uh top three, you have to rate them. But it's not another podcast. We won't play Fuck, Mary Kill. Okay. But uh, which bear in order? Paddington, Corduroy, Teddy Ruxpin. Uh, exactly that order. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't give a shit about Teddy Ruxpin. You know, he had a cassette. That's how I listened to most punk tapes my cousin gave me as a kid. That does sound awesome. I just did not have one. <laughs> oh, I had one. 
So I had like, divorced parents. I definitely had a Teddy <laughs> Rocks fan. They were fighting for my love. Like, even if I had one, all the cassettes would have just been like Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. So like, it wouldn't have. I'm, I have a distinct a memory of listening to my dad's cassette of a helmet through a <laughs> really? Teddy Rocks fan. Wow. <laughs> what a dad choice. Yeah, my dad. My dad. Well, he's a cool dad. He was like. Uh, hey, my, my dad's musical selection is. Nothing. Nothing. He, he has good taste, just not a lot of physical oh, media. Oh, no. My dad likes to bring up the time that he came home, and uh, I guess he was, like, out somewhere, and my mom wasn't paying attention, and I was ice skating across the carpet with his white <laughs> zombie CDs. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, he gave me, like, the original uh, Nirvana, never mind, on CD. It was oh, like, really? Here, take care of Here, this. And then, I, like, and then I fucking broke that within 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't remember having anything... That was mine musically before CDs. Yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, the first CD I ever bought was like an important thing. Yeah. But, but other than that, it was just borrowing or stealing someone's. Yeah, I feel like those are the things that I should look back on and like bring up as my happy. Mm-hmm. But no, it's something that it's Paddington happened Bear two. two years ago. <laughs> it's Paddington Bear yeah. 2. Sorry, it is, Grant. It is Paddington. She is the fucking best. <laughs> Like I've I've never not He's had a real career turnaround. Hasn't yeah, he? like I've never not been a fan. Like there's I've never had a reason not to like him. Like I he's fine in all those rom coms, and I like rom coms. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is whatever. In Paddington Two, he is such a fucking delight. <laughs> like he is all in, and like I like I love that. And like <laughs> it's it's such a silly thing. I mean, the movie itself is so satisfying. Yeah, it it sets everything up. And everything pays off. Like I feel like you like this movie because it just hits all the signposts that you need. It's like just a little checklist. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like it, and it's just you find solace in that. You find it very soothing that like there's no open ends. It's just like, okay, boom, 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 like boom. This this movie has like a bear doing prison reform and it makes sense. <laughs> Like at no point are you That's like, a pull line. <laughs> like oh this this child bear is in prison and you're just like yeah <laughs> yeah I I saw the the evil piece of shit dude was an evil piece of shit and now the good Look bear is in prison baby bear in prison like he is a legit child he is in prison with He's hardened criminals. Child? I assume. I mean, they treat him like a child, but okay. he gets to like wander around and do whatever he wants, like an adult. He's just a little bear. <laughs> yeah, he has. He's he's an adult, like a fully functioning adult with no life experience. I guess. Oh, so he's like SpongeBob. Yeah, I guess. Because like yeah. I did not know how old SpongeBob was for years. How old is SpongeBob? I think he's supposed to be in his like early twenties. When the show came out, he's supposed to be in like his early twenties. Has he aged with the show? Is he forty? He's not aged with the show, but every the, oh, there's a shot of an episode where you see his license because he dreams about getting a license and it has his birthday on it. Every once in a while, oh. it comes up on the internet, and I think he's like 40 at this point. They're wow. like, "Happy 40th birthday, SpongeBob!" That's insane. Yeah, um, but prison reform fair. Like, I mean that that's the whole thing. Like, we all backtrack to what we were saying before I just ramped into prison reform. So like. <laughs> I I think that is what I find so much joy in mm-hmm. is that everything makes sense and pays off. Mm-hmm. So like there's absolutely absurd stuff. And like they're like, oh, and the mom just swims the English Channel now. And like that's a thing. She's a swimmer. She just wants to be a swimmer and she's an artist. And like that's a thing. The 
the boy likes trains and he's, no questions. he's embarrassed about it. And you're like, all right, what a what a bunch of weird details. And then throughout the movie, every single piece of it just pays <laughs> off in these like spectacular <laughs> ways. And like it's just so comfortable. <sighs> And I'm like the whole time, it and just, that brings you joy. That is the thing at the at the height of your joy. It's it's that and the combination that it's all centered around just being nice. Okay, the world does need a little bit more of that, so I do appreciate that. Like that's that's the whole focus of that whole movie because he goes up against like legit evil and darkness and just like people who are hardened criminals and a guy who sends him to jail for. Nothing. Is that Hugh Grant? Is Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Grant's the guy who sends yeah. yeah. I feel like him and, uh, what's that guy's name? Not Rupert Murdoch and not Rupert Grant. The other Rupert. There's a British actor named Rupert who oh, always man. plays like the villain. And then I think <laughs> once his face came through and was like, okay, I'm going to be the villain now. Remember that time I did that thing in the 90s? Well, I'm back, baby. I feel like I'm picturing the guy, Yeah. but I don't actually know. IMDb on my phone. I, I feel like the names you said are the names. Talk that about your fucking bear more while I look up this Rupert. So, I love Paddington One as just like Rupert Everett. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just like a fun movie, and it has like it's a very like Wes Anderson movie for kids, and like it's just kind of fun and silly, and like Nicole Kidman is Nicole Kidman's in this. Yeah, Nicole Kidman's in the first one. Never watched either of them. I'm a grown man. Sure. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I, I work with kids. That's why I saw the first one. And then I just came out of it so You're like, this in love. sick. I loved it. Like, There's the one scene where after they, they bring Paddington home for the first night. And dad's like, oh, yeah, we'll just send him to an orphanage. Or like send him to like a, a whatever. And like. The girl's like, isn't that just an orphanage? And he's like, no, it's more of a and like 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 hard cut like to like to a like horror movie looking house and it just says <laughs> orphanage. And he's like, no, it's more of just like a place where they do this and rambles off a whole bunch of yeah. words. And then they cut back to the same scary house and instead of saying orphanage, it says the whole thing that he just said. <laughs> oh, that is great. I do <laughs> like, like bits like that. I love it. Like Nicole Kidman does taxidermy, which is. Okay, that oh, is uncomfortable for it's a, a small stuffed bear to experience. It's a very weird plot. Is wait, Paddington's no, not Paddington's stuffed. Is a, is a real bear. He's a real bear. He's a legit real bear. And him and Winnie the Pooh are very close in my book, so yeah. I don't know what is real and what is fake. So, the the plot, at least from her side of it, the the evil plot is her father was a famous explorer, went to Peru, discovered the type of bear that Paddington is, and taught them to talk and. Had, oh, so this is like a homecoming and, yeah, thing. Had conversation. Then he came back to England, and no one believed him, and he was ostracized and kicked out of the Explorers Club. And she's been living with that reputation for the rest of her life. Okay. So like she 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 bore the burden of his embarrassment, and was like determined to get this bear. She got him. Put him in a little raincoat. Yeah, which is still confusing to me that the whole plot is she wants to get the talking bear so that she can kill it and stuff it, and then it can't talk, and there's no way to prove that it's a talking bear, because otherwise it's just a bear. That's very weird. But she does taxidermy, and at one point they show her in this room with just a bunch of like animal busts on the wall, and then it pans through, 
and on the other side of the wall is just the rest of the animals. <laughs> it's like stuff like that that is so funny. That is to funny. Because that's something that like the writers sat down and thought, we've been writing this children movie for months. Let's throw in some jokes for us. Yeah, and like there are a good number of those. Yeah. Like it's definitely for kids in the sense that like there's nothing hugely offensive. Mm-hmm. But the humor is just humor. Like yeah. it's not like it's not over the pandering top down humor. to kids. Yeah, that's good. I do like movies like that. Um, but yeah, so the uh, thing I wanted to say with the Paddington movies, like they are as funny as they are. And I found out not until I've watched Paddington two a number of times, just repeatedly. You said that out loud just now, just reminding you so many times. <laughs> Even more embarrassing, I've. Because it was on Netflix for a while, I've gone and I did the thing where you could download it and save it to your phone, and then I would just play it in my car, I, like what? Not watching just on, it, just yeah. like listening to just it. The sound would be on, and I would just be driving around. Some in my car for hours, at, like at a time. But I've uh, done that though. Like I've listened to things that are like visual things, but I, I'll just want to listen to them. And, like uh, I, I know it so well that like, I didn't need to watch it, and like it's that feeling also of just like. I know this. This is nice. And like in the, in that moment, like in my car, just listening to it, I was just like, oh, "It's actually keeping me calm." And like this weirdly stressful everything. Cause my job is super stressful, and then driving by myself is weird and lonely. Coming, like, go from stressful thing to a weird and lonely to stressful thing. Yeah, I can so honestly like, say, like watching your face as you describe Paddington and looking up different aspects of it and just knowing off the top of your head, just like this and that and the other thing, this brings you great joy. Oh, I Paddington too brings you great yeah, it's it's the best and like i i sat and i finally watched the director's commentary mm-hmm. and that's when you know you love a movie when you pop on the director's commentary and that's when i found out that it was directed by the same guy who directed like all the mighty boosh stuff oh so like he has a long history of that is comedy because i do love the boosh and like that's, so much like i saw that and i was like oh this is that same timing mm-hmm. like it's like more logical jokes like it's not yeah. Weird out of left field kind like of jokes. Freddie but... Reach when they're in the boxing episode, yeah. and it's yeah. just like the longest arms that come up again, <laughs> and then are managing. Oh man, what a weird show! I loved that show so much. I tried to show my girlfriend it a couple days ago, and she was having none of it. She was like, "I don't get it. I don't like it." It's like, like I, I imagine I would go to the one where they're turning all the people into animals as like, this is what, this is what I like about it. It's every everything's in this episode. But I can't imagine someone liking it from that. <laughs> uh, me and I, I made my old college roommate, who I lived with for a little bit after college, uh, in his basement, watch The Mighty Boosh with me. Nice. And one of them was the episode where they go to the tundra. And he goes, it's like, I'm all alone. All I have is the wind. And then the <laughs> wind goes, you suck. <laughs> Shut up, wind. Oh, man. And no, like, I don't have anybody. <laughs> it, it is those kind of jokes, though, that are oh, that in pad- like I'm going to give Paddington a shot now because I know that, like, oh, it's Boosh influenced. And, and honestly, the first one's awesome and, like, really fun, but, like, you don't need to watch it. Okay. Like, the second you one. You just need the second one. The second one is just standalone by itself. You'll appreciate this. Uh, and then I think we should go to the next thing. Um, but when I moved into my house, my childhood home that I like spent the most amount of time. I moved around a lot as yeah. a kid, uh, but we moved into my house in Connecticut and the only, the room that I got was like the previous boys room and it was like a young boys room and there was, it, the, half the wall was blue, half the wall was white 
and then around the whole thing was just a Paddington border. Oh, that's like, awesome. Paddington in a boat. Paddington walking downstairs. And then it'd be like little blocks in between each picture. And I had that up until probably like 16 until I was, I got fed up and went to my mom and forced her to go to Home Depot so we could take <laughs> it off. And we just painted my walls electric green. Like oh, a light, awesome. bright green with a blue carpet. And she was just like, thank God we got rid of this because you are about to like reach uh, like your sec- not sexual peak, but like sexuality <laughs> was coming in hot. Yeah, it was coming in electric and, green. Yeah, and it's coming in electric green <laughs> and not fucking Paddington. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was my childhood bedroom. Had a ton of Paddington and I still had never watched any of it. I just knew like Paddington was a bear. So I guess one more thing about... Mm-hmm. Paddington before we, we switch over to your okay. your happy thing. In a in a general Paddington sense, not Paddington 2, but there is a Paddington like stop motion animation show that is so weird and beautifully animated that like if even if it wasn't I wouldn't have is it found recent it. Or is it old? It's old. Okay. Yeah, it's probably like 80s. But like I wouldn't have found it if it weren't Paddington, because I wouldn't have been looking. But Paddington himself is like a 3D bear, and everything else is like a 2D drawing. Oh, weird. And so, like, he's going around, and like, anything that he's not interacting with is a two dimensional drawing. So, like, it'll still be like popped up, and you can like see it in like a three in three dimensional sense, but yeah. it's just a drawing. And, I'm like, gonna have to look into that. It's that such a, a weird style that, like, I mean, I make cartoons, and like, all I want to do is just steal that style now. Do it. It's the 80s. is public domain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stop you can steal an idea. Artist. Most of my jokes have, are stolen ideas. <laughs> All the good stuff. You know, the 80s jokes. Yeah, the 80s jokes. <laughs> All uh, right. So, George, what is what is your, your happiness trigger? Honestly, and you're going to hate this, uh, it's not bear movies. No. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, we went to Florida and, like, Sarasota, Siesta Key, and... Um, we went down, and there was a couple movies playing. And like after a certain time spending at a beach, I feel like you just don't want the beach anymore. Because we would go down there for like two weeks because we knew someone that had a place. So yeah. we were like, oh, we'll just stay there. It's cheap to stay. And we'll go explore. And it's like, we're just done with the beach. Uh, so we took us to the movies, and we went to go see the year 2000. Oh, 1999. That part makes me mad already. Yeah. Uh, we went yeah. to go see The Mummy. Starring Brendan Fraser. Oh my god! And honestly, every Brendan Fraser movie I've ever seen has brought me such happiness. <laughs> now, there are Brendan Fraser movies that I love. Okay. And I don't hate the Mummy, but there are better ones. But it's so weird to have any actual feelings from it to uh, me. See, there are a group of people we have meetings. Um, <laughs> we all know each other's names. Yeah, there's not that many. Carol, Jim, Ben. We're all good people. No, but there is a huge fan base dedicated to just the mummy itself. But honestly, every Brett and Fraser movie, if he's in it, I'm about it. Even if it's terrible. Okay. And he's in there for like like the movie Crash, where he's in it for 15 seconds at most, maybe. Uh, uh Crash is a great movie. Is that the the ludicrous one? Yeah, like ludicrous. I can't think of anybody else. And yeah, it was like ludicrous. I think Julia movies. Roberts is in it, and it's basically it's basically one of those movies where like everyone's experience all comes together and it's yeah, one person's yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all based around this crash. Yeah, uh, but sucks. yeah, Brendan Fraser shows up for like five seconds. <laughs> I hate that movie. <laughs> uh, something about like I think 
that movie came out and it was such an adventure. And I was at an age where it was like accessible to be like, I understood this, even though there's plot holes in it. I don't care. It's this old timey style of movie, which I had experience around because my, my stepdad's a big old timey movie guy. Okay. So like we'd watch like um, the Boris Karloff movies and we'd I watch. love those. Yeah, we'd watch. He was a huge mystery sci- mystery uh, science theater 3000 fan. Oh, so like yeah. he had original tapes. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, they had all these original tapes that like even had a thing on that said like keep circulating the tapes. Oh, uh, because in early things when they were just rip them off of so it was like public access viral. Yeah, and you would just like you you would burn a couple copies for your buddies and you pass them around work and you get your own copy and stuff and it was just a whole training thing. So all of that kind of style of film without the riffing. Uh, and then brought into like this action adventure, brought into modern times, and then there's this guy in it that's very debonair, he's badass, he kind of reminds me of my dad because the first time you see him, he's got kind of longer hair, or like this when he's all haggard, he's got like a gruffy beard and long hair. I mean, my dad don't have a great relationship, so he was like replacement dad. That's, oh yeah. So it was like poster on the wall was like Papa. Uh, uh, he's, I mean, I did watch it recently, but like I don't I don't remember him being like bad there's no so, like he has like questionable moments by like today's standards yeah, but yeah, like he's for not sure questionable like uh, a lot of action heroes of that era would not be good guys by today's standards mm-hmm. and yeah he, he's done certain things in the movie that like yeah don't hold up great. yeah like his intro to rachel wise yeah, yeah. is like that's the only part i can think that's of uncomfortable, where, but yeah. like that's the scene where like you see him with like the shaggy hair and stuff and you're yeah like, oh damn okay cool uh this guy seems cool like for an eight year old in nineteen ninety nine, no, it's got to be younger than that. Like six or seven year old. God, you're young. I'm a child. <laughs> this uh, only makes my answer that much weirder that yeah, I'm that much bit. older it's than you. <laughs> um, but like seeing that is like that's a cool guy. Like that's masculinity. That's what I should look up to. And look at your hair. Look at me now. <laughs> uh, you, you definitely came out of this with the same look. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I really nailed it. I think. Uh, but yeah. So. To this day, like, I I don't care that Brendan Fraser isn't in a ton of movies anymore because when he is in a movie or a TV show, it is that much more special because, like, boy, howdy, he's in it. Uh, I just watched Trust recently, which was really interesting. Uh, and he's only in, like, one or two episodes. Or, like, he's in one episode where it's, like, he's the main part of it. But it's what? all about the... Uh, the uh, what is that movie? So it's a series. It's, like... Um, uh, short series that FX did about the kidnapping of uh, John Paul Getty. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and it like goes, Donald Sutherland plays like John Paul, John Paul Getty Sr. Um, Brandon Fraser plays the head of security for the Getty family. Um, Hilary Swank plays the kid that gets kidnapped's mom. There's a bunch of different people in it, but it's like really inventive. And they do a whole episode where he like, like wanders around Rome looking for the kidnappers of John Paul Getty. Interesting. Yeah. Or I guess it's, I guess it's, is his name John Paul Getty? Forget. I don't know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That, that whole thing. So, um, is it the movie or is it him? Like, what is the bigger, like, so trigger? The mummy, if the mummy is on, I'll watch it, no matter what. Okay. Um, so, that doesn't bring me happiness. But I think it's more just like him in movies that makes me happy. I know, it's weird. 
I know that's not okay, that there are, like, better... It's like that... Remember that viral video? I think it was on Tosh.0 for a while, uh, a while ago, where it was a kid, and he was like, oh, I'm trying to be an actor. My favorite actor is Vince Vaughn. It's like, it's in the same <laughs> thing of that, or it's like, I mean, my favorite actor is Brendan Fraser, someone that is... I mean, he's been really good in stuff before. Yeah. Like, like high-quality actor, not, like, comedic actor good. Yeah. So, like, it's not a terrible choice, but, like, what would... if Assuming Mommy is one... Yeah. You can't pick the other mummy. <laughs> well, fuck you. Uh, what What are like the next ones down the list? Bedazzled is great. I love that movie. Yeah, uh, his like his stride in the nineties is really also really just good. Loved Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, uh, so his stride in the nineties is great. So Bedazzled is great. You know what it also is, which I think ties me to it, is that once my mom saw like, oh, he likes the mummy. Let's go see what else he's in. And then George of the Jungle came out. And it was like, uh, yeah. I'm George. That's George. He's still got the shaggy hair like my dad does. So it's like, oh, it's dad. He just got to be my dad. Uh, I knew my dad at this point, by the way. It's not like I was like, my mom was like, Bill Barker. Like, Bob Barker's your your real dad. And we're watching spend the, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was like something connected in it. And I was like, cool, surrogate dad. That's what we're doing. I, I get to see my dad not every other weekend. But every time I get to watch. It's weird that you're... The happiness one feels so sad. I know. That's <laughs> always what happens. Um, so so I, yeah, I would say Mummy, Bedazzled. Uh, he was really good in uh, in the same way that like your humor in Paddington Bear 2 is. Uh, the Looney Tunes back in action movie. I wanted to like that more than yeah. I did. Like, I, I remember loving the Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. And I might be past that now just in time for Space Jam, which is unfortunate. That is a bummer. I love LeBron. And I want to see <laughs> LeBron in Space Jam, but I'm just not that interested. Oh, and, well, he's a good actor, right? He's been in sting, things and people like him. Yeah, right? he's been funny. Okay. He, had a, he had a cartoon that I loved for a while. It's called The LeBrons. There was four different LeBrons. <laughs> for, for some reason. Cloning incident? They made three seasons of a show called The LeBrons. The first season is like standard, like Saturday morning cartoon, 2D animation. And then season two and three were like 3D computer generated. <laughs> and I hate it. I, they look awful. Yeah. But those are the two that still live online. Who did that? So what do you think? I have the list in front of me now. It took me a minute to find it. What do you think are Brendan Fraser's top grossing movies? Grossing movies. Uh, I'll also do top rating. Which would you rather do? Top let's rated do, or top grossing? Let's do top grossing. Top grossing. Okay. okay. So, The Mummy. It's got to be on there. That is number four. Okay. The Mummy Returns. That's number one. <laughs> um, I don't think Monkey Bone or Bedazzled. Like, no, they're, they're down a little further. Can we do Looney Tunes back in action? That did better than Monkey Bone. Wow. Bedazzled was way down. Yeah. Bedazzled was weird because it was a remake, so people were like, not a super big fan of that movie. But yeah, that I thought it was good. I also liked the Georgia Burns one, too. Yeah. <laughs> Anything with Dublin Moore is great. Um, the, the one I actually really like, it has a terrible rating, but... But it is his third highest grossing movie. Last one the past? No. That's not even somewhere. No, it's not in his top ten. Really? That's funny. All right, what's the top five? Top five is Mummy Returns, G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. Oh, fuck, he is in that. His his credit is actor. Yeah, he is just actor. (laughs) He 
literally shows up for five minutes. Oh, really? I think he gets to say, go Joe, once. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Let's see. Some sort of uh, like combat trainer. He shows up for a minute, and then he bails. He's uh, journeyed to the center of the earth. That's oh, number that three. was a big one, yeah. I, I thought that movie was great. No, it was a good one. Like it's it's super fun, and it's another movie that there's a there's a conspiracy amongst Brendan Fraser fans that The Rock has been slowly stealing all of his roles. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't steal his mummy role, but he stole his mummy star. Yeah, like he was like, oh no, The Rock is the big star in this one. Haku Mashente. I mean, they were they were both in GI Joe in that. Yeah, but he got the bigger star on that. That's and true. then um, in Journey to the Sunny World, uh, Sunny World Part Two. The Rock is just replaces Brendan Fraser. Yeah, which is <laughs> also a good move. I didn't see the second one because I was upset. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, how how do you feel about like Brendan Fraser just kind of falling off the face of the earth? I don't think it was fair. There was an article that was published where he said that he was kind of blacklisted because he refused the sexual advances of a producer. Um, oh wow! I, I don't. Know, yeah, it was a Vanity Fair article, and it was interesting to see like what his thing was. It was right around when the Me Too movement was like the strongest. Okay. And it felt very. I felt very strange supporting a man within the Me Too movement. I'm not saying that like they, <laughs> yeah. they like they can't have their voices heard at all, but it was like it was the same thing where I was like, "Listen, we're, we we'll we'll talk about it in a minute." <laughs> kind of the same. But then immediately after he posted that article with uh, I think Vanity Fair. Um, James Woods was like, I too have been blacklisted for my uh, conservative beliefs. They're like, get the fuck out of here, <laughs> That's James That's different. Woods. Get out. Yeah. What the fuck? No, um, you've been blacklisted because you're an asshole about your conservative yeah, beliefs. Yeah. A lot of conservatives still work. Shut the fuck up, James Woods. <laughs> Clint Eastwood is 90 and he makes a movie a year. No one cares about your beliefs. You uh, just can't suck about it. Yeah. Uh, but so that happened. So I was, uh, that I, I, I can see why like someone would dip down if that is the big boogeyman in Hollywood yeah. of people just being like, well, fuck that guy. So he's out as an actor. Um, but the things he does now, this is how deep lore uh, I'm in Fred and Frazier thing. Reading that article, he's got a bunch of kids, I think like three kids. Okay. That's a bunch. <laughs> so he lives in like just over the Tappan Zee bridge on like a horse. Seriously? Farm. Yeah. His son. Is you mean we can his, find him. Yeah, we can find him. He lives. There was a moment where, like, I read this article and then went to go visit my friend who lives just on the New Jersey side of the Tappan Zee Bridge. And I was like, do you want to go try to find Brendan Fraser's house? I remember doing that growing up. I want to say it was Freddie Mitchell is the Eagles receiver okay. at the time. I'm not a sports guy. That's for your other podcast. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep that all over there. At the turnover, you can find us at the turnover. Yeah. Um, Someone, look, there was a rumor going around that he'd moved it. Because like, there was a bunch of mansions in the town that I grew up in. Like They just pop up. and They're, they're still popping up all the time. I yeah. don't know how they just fit them. Just big mansions just, just pop yeah. up. They just kind of roll them out, and all of a sudden, a bunch of rich people move in and ruin the politics of my hometown. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was a rumor that Freddie Mitchell moved in. And like my friends and I drove around for one night just like, do you think that's the car he would drive? Yeah. But like, there's, <laughs> everyone drove rich people cars. There's no way to yeah. know. It's, it's, I... I uh, I helped Nelson Aguilar buy a sofa, and by that I mean he was trying to get me to help him buy a sofa, and I was supposed to leave 15 minutes before he showed up. <laughs> so I was like, listen, bud, I got to go. And then my friend walked over and started helping him out, and then he texted me later. He was like, you know who that is? And I was like, I don't care who he fucking is. He made me miss lunch. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I feel better knowing that he gets his sofa there also. He gets his sofa <laughs> at Ikea. Uh, and then also I was working at a CVS in um, South Jersey in college, night shift like it was 
7 p.m. to 6 a.m. Yeah. Just grave shift 24 hour. That sucks. Um, and I was going in there and some guy came in to buy toilet paper. And as I'm ringing up, I see my manager standing behind him. He's just like, hyperventilating, frozen. I was like, what the fuck? And I ring him up and I brought, well, we go outside to change the trash. And I'm go change the trash. And he drives away in this like Porsche Carrera <laughs> down the road. And then my manager finally comes to, he's like, that was J- Jimmy Rollins. Everything. Oh, he lives, he lives around here. Oh my God. G- 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 God. I was like, who the fuck is Jimmy Rollins? I know Henry Rollins. Who's Jimmy Rollins? <laughs> Are they related? Are they related? You know, I would probably have that same re- reaction that your manager had. Yeah. He was yeah. in shock and awe. And then finally, when he came to, he tried to be cool about it. He was like, you bought the wrong car though. This car is fucking <laughs> Uh, shut up. Yeah. All right, get in your... Just, just be overwhelmed. Yeah. You're allowed to be. It's go, fine. Go get in your 1988 Honda. Like, that. that is kind of why I wanted to make a show like this, is, like, basically your manager reacting to feeling a way yeah, yeah. that way. I'm like, I, I can't I can't be a guy who felt something. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, 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 you, no. you felt something. It's, it's totally okay to cool. have the... It's, emotions are okay. And like, I dedicated a large chunk know, of my life to a music dedicated to, me, to yeah. emotions. <laughs> Do you know what year that would have been? Like around? 2013? 2014? So at that point, dude is a hero. Yeah. So like I said, he's absolutely he's a like a local legend. It's right to react to that way. Township, New Jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, you, you are absolutely right to respond that way. Yeah. Like, that guy... Know, he, like, immediately came to me. He was like, bought the wrong fucking car, man. It's fucking... It's whatever. Yeah. The kind, the kind of... He's driving his jalopy to work yeah. every day. The kind of guy who judges a Porsche is not the guy I want to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to be in touch with your emotions. Uh, that, but, yeah. Unless you have more closing... Do I have any more Brendan Fraser stuff to talk about? I think that's a good transition mm-hmm. to the other half of this episode. So we're, we're going to transition from feel your emotions into sadness. Yeah, let's do sadness. All right. So Polar, we're going to go out on the ballad. What is your what right. is at your saddest? What is so, your, brings you to your sadness? Which. Even saying that it's like a sadness trigger. I don't mean it like a bad way, mm-hmm. but the song is uh, Sands by the band Nine and Grizzle. And like. I kind of like the sad that it is. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very it's a like, good sad. It's one of those sads that like sad. reminds you to feel. You know. So like I already I'm welling up because I'm looking at the lyrics to yeah, it. Look at me. Look at me. Look but at this. Face. I have to look at the lyrics <laughs> so I can say read them. them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'll, I'll I'll jump and I'll read the one. Stop avoiding it, Dan. That I I read last time and I I somehow made it through half before I cried. So the song is very much like. There's people in your life, like, just because they're not here right now doesn't mean they're not in your life. Mm-hmm. It's, that's the whole thing. So the lyrics, to the ones as they go past you, to the ones that you will one day leave behind, that's where I stopped last time. <laughs> <laughs> Speak kindly to the ones who never found the words to ask you, though a million years could pass and they would never seem to mind. Oh, you were so good up until the Almost end there. Got there. I'm not saying that you shouldn't cry. I'm just saying that this is a professional podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to cry after I say the words. <laughs> that's fair. But no, like, I, that, that's, that sentiment um, obviously can trigger any amount of sadness, especially from any sort of uh, personal experience. So that you know, can, it's one of those 
one of those quartiles of lyrics that you can just plug into a situation and it oh, works yeah. fairly well. Like your brain automatically goes to a thing. I was going to mention, because again, this is like a happy sad, yeah. that you, the way you said it. I have the same thing with um, Brandy Carlisle's, uh, um, it's not home, but it's, take me find a way back home. Oh, yeah, that yeah, song. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, what's the name of the song? It's good. I'm, I'm not super well versed on her. I like, Oh, the I reason I, I pulled that kind of verse out of it is mm-hmm. it's the only one that really stands by itself because mm-hmm. the rest of the song, like, like even looking at the lyrics, it's broken up into, like, stanzas, but it never stops. Hmm. It just literally just keeps going. There's not, like, a super standout chorus. And, like, it just... It's got that lyric. It just keeps going. Like, that's the one spot where it's, it's not just, like... like hard as your muscle, the size of your fist by... Uh... Is that Ramshackle? Yeah, it's Ramshackle Glory. Yeah. Where, like, that hook gets more and more powerful every time it's said. Yeah. This one is just a standalone thing, and it hits that hard. I would argue better songwriting on that one, because uh, it makes it count better. The song that I was talking about is called Wherever Is Your Heart. Okay. Uh, and it's about uh, kind of traveling around. I believe it's written about her wife, um, but it's about, like, oh, traveling around, and don't worry, because wherever your heart is, that's what I call home. Uh, and for some reason, one day I just snapped into my head. I was like, oh, this is about my mom. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I called her. I was like, I have to send you a song. I need your opinion about this song immediately. I I have done that to my mom before mm-hmm. where I'm just like, here. Yeah. <laughs> like, we watch from afar. Yeah, we're, we, don't, we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to say any more words yeah. about it. Here you go. <laughs> my mom had a big uh, cancer scare recently, oh. and it was just like a, a kind of a flash from a pan thing, uh, like last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, wound up being nothing by Good. very strange odds, where it was like, it is a 5% chance it's not cancer. Yep. And then she called back the next day, it was like, it's not cancer. Thank <laughs> <laughs> goodness. But yeah, that was crazy. Uh, but at, like the day she sent it, I was the only one being strong. My sister is a mess, my stepdad's a mess. And just no one wants to like talk about it. Yeah. And so I just sent her "Swim" by Jack's Mannequin. Cool. She was like, "You prick." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was angry. That, she was like, "This uh, song is beautiful. I hate you." <laughs> that is so on the nose, too. <laughs> like that is exactly yeah. what that song is. Was like, yeah. you need to listen to this immediately. And then I like, I think she sent it to my grandma, and my grandma was like, "Did you write that? That was beautiful." <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, you know, music can have such a visceral. Thing, especially for someone that like me and you both have experience in me, like take music to a different level. It's not just yeah. something you throw on and stuff. We kind of absorb it in a different way. Like, um, the, the weird one with this is like, I've, I don't think it hit me mm-hmm. in the way that it does currently until like three years ago. Yeah. And I've, I've heard it. It was 10 years ago. Like, Sometimes that's what it takes. Like that song, I had that album for years in my Spotify account. Yeah. Just like saved. And I was like, I like this album. And then one day I was just driving around and realized like, oh, fuck. Like it just hits you like a ton of bricks. And then you can never change that. I yeah. feel like I find it very hard to disassociate after your brain has made that decision that this is what this song is about. Yeah. <laughs> like the Violent Films, Violent Films self-titled album. One day I was sitting at work and I was like, oh, this is an yeah, album about a school shooter. And then immediately after, now, anytime I listen to that, I'm just like, this is the soundtrack of a school Yeah, shooter. yeah. There's a lot of darkness in there. <laughs> like, it really is. Like, I, I've sat in, like, like, jukebox musical, like, albums before, mm-hmm. and, like, 
as soon as you do that, like you you've given it a whole story. Like even if it's not that, like I, I've done it with like postal service, but I did it with give up. Mm-hmm. And like there there are through lines because it's like the same person writing the songs, yeah. but it's not like a story album. But like I've attached a story to it, and like if I had to, I could make that movie. What's uh, I I did that with the terrible things first album. Oh really? I was basically I figured out that I could listen to it twice driving from my house to my community college that I was going to. Um, so I would put it in and I developed a whole movie track by track for the terrible thing, self-titled album. And it was just like, oh, cool. Still this day, the movie starts like I, I roll credits in my head as the first things start. Oh, I, I have that with, um, emotionalism, the Avid brothers album. I never got into that. My, my roommate in college was obsessed with them and it was like, you need to listen to them. And I never, yeah, I don't, I don't love them. I love that album connection granny carlisle at the end of that album covers murder in the city oh and she does a great cover of it cool yeah uh anything else you wanted to add about nana grizzle because i don't want to cut you off about your so this is, i feel like happy we can talk about because we're like yeah we're excited about this and this one we're phoning through but so i i think part of why this one hit me because like i the album like first note it was just like something different now like it was just like like a game changer. But like, I think the reason that this one kind of hit later is because like I was in a better spot to address the emotions I was avoiding when I first heard it. Okay. Yeah. Cause like it, it ties back to like, like it was like, I had the breakdown. I heard this mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh no. Did it's... you discuss your breakdown in this take? No, okay. I had a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Danny gets suffered a breakdown in 2008 and this is the cornerstone of her show. Yeah. <laughs> That that was that was the the crux of it. Nana Grizzol, they have the song Cynicism, which is the first song on the album. This is on Ruth, mm-hmm. and it has the line like Cynicism isn't wisdom; it's just a lazy way to say that you've been burned. And it seems, if anything, you'd be less certain after everything you've ever learned. You didn't have to look up that lyric. I know that one. By heart. <laughs> is that tattooed somewhere on your body? Be no. But <laughs> when I get a tattoo, it will be a Nana Grizzol tattoo. There, right. It's from the song right. Adams. <laughs> that song also makes me cry but it's not a sad song it's, it's okay whatever. i got a tattoo of a country song that's fair yeah <laughs> i wouldn't expect anything less <laughs> but yeah so like i i heard that and i was like i oh, know it's like i'm just going through something yeah. like, it's not it's all it's relative. not good it's not bad it's just a thing yeah and like everything just kind of like settled from there and like i've been relatively good like i don't have like panic attacks anymore <laughs> like mm-hmm. there was a lot of that where it's just like oh no like everything's fine things happen yeah like, these things are fine and yeah. things are cool uh it's good that you found honestly like such a good band yeah. <laughs> like for that because i feel like it anyone sort of a break then you're reaching out for whatever you can grab and, and like, that, like that's what this was too yeah. like it was just going down every rabbit hole i could find and like just found the end of it i feel <laughs> like a lot of people have breakdowns uh around that age that you were at yeah that's 21 yeah, yeah. um which is, I think, why maybe twenty two. Uh, what's that? Uh, the Wonder Years got so popular because that was just a band bent oh, on that yeah. emotion. Yeah. Um. So that band was around when I was having my. Did you ever hear when they were a joke? Yeah. Oh, so good. I love those joke songs. The joke like, songs. Again. They will never play them ever get again. Get ready to get fruit punched, homie. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Route Nine. <laughs> um. But so like they were around during my breakdown, but I think I was reaching out for these straws, um, and found. 
the, found the Wonder Years because I was like, oh, okay, well, they get it like, yeah. musically. But honestly, my big thing was I would go to a record store on Long Island. Uh, and that record store had a community based around it. Oh, wow. And unfortunately, I don't talk to many of those people anymore uh, just because the record store closed down. Yeah. And those people went their separate ways and everything. But it was such an important thing where, like, I remember I had nights driving home crying because I was like, I found a place. Yeah. I found a place to belong. And it was like such an, a visceral feeling. And I think to find that outlet during those moments to grab onto something yeah. that is actually worthwhile. Because you can grab onto something very easily in the same serious vein of like you can grab onto alcohol as a crutch oh, yeah. for that, and then all of a sudden you using that as your crutch all the way along, and then you have to start from scratch again because you realize, oh, this crutch is made out of like a twig. Yeah, it's not an improvement. No, it's just by like no means pushing it away for a second. That's kind of how my breakdown uh, came to in, in solidarity. Uh, with with our mental health as i was living on Long island after college uh, a girl that i was dating uh broke up with me a college uh, job that i had lined up after college completely didn't work out and then all of a sudden uh no job opportunity no girl like everything i was promised after college was gone yeah so i would drink really heavily and drive up and down the Long island expressway as fast as i could oh damn because if i died it's just an accident yep and it was like that mental a thing where it's like oh, I don't have to worry about it. It was just a it was just a thing. It just happened. What a bummer. And then finding that community of people in Sayville, uh, at this record store was like so important. It was immediately important yeah. that I realized like, oh good, I grabbed onto something tangible. Um and I think with Nana Grizzle, that's something that you latched onto. And it's not something that was detrimental by any means. It was powerful in the sense that it was yeah. just a folk punk band that it was their their approach to these emotions were so this happens. Yeah. Like, you ain't alone, kid. So much was, of, like, all, a lot of their songs have lyrics that are very simple. They're, like, they're at, like, a, a low reading level, basically. Mm -hmm. But they're so poetic. And that's where it's part I mean, Shakespeare said, brevity is the soul of wit. And, like, there's so much just, like, hidden in them. Mm -hmm. that just because they're using, like, simple phrasing... It's like the weird order and cadence and all of this stuff. There's like so much and just like so right under the surface. Impacted. Yeah. It's like a wisdom tooth that they got to surgically remove because there's so much underneath it, you know? Yeah. And it's like one of those things where like handled differently, it would feel very just like it would feel bad. It would feel like they were trying to pull something over. Yeah. But they handle it in such like a gentle way. Gentle and honest. Yeah, where they're just like, no, this is fine. Like everybody goes through shit. Like, be cool. Like, yeah, it's 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 the. I feel like the way that a lot of people could identify with it is it's it's like the older brother. Yeah, taking you in and being like, it's gonna be fine. No, I didn't grow up with an older. I had stepbrothers and stuff, yeah. so I longed for that kind of uh, response or something. But found it within music like that. Yeah, within like the honesty of lyrics that aren't, you know. Dylan, where you're trying to listen to Dylan, you're like, what the fuck are you yeah, even trying to saying? decipher it? Yeah. What is the underwater typewriter that you're speaking yeah. of in the winds of the ocean and the breeze oh, of the God. sky? Yeah. What? Like, Just was, tell me it's going to be okay, Bob. I was listening to Blood on the Tracks the other day, mm -hmm. and like so many just like classic songs that like I, I connect to on some weird emotional level. But yeah. then like I was listening to my car and like just really paying attention. I was like, what is any of this? Yeah, Bob Dylan invented like magnet poetry before everybody else. Yeah. <laughs>
And like, it's it feels so close to an obvious meaning that you're like, oh yeah, I get it. The best example of this is in the movie uh, Walk Hard, where he goes through his <laughs> Dylan phase. Yeah, and he was like, the, the guitarist leans over and was like, "What do these songs even mean, man?" And the drummer Tim Meadows is like, "You just don't get it. It's very, very deep." <laughs> uh, so you feel comfortable with where you're leaving yours? At? I, I I get the feeling that this will come up more, mm-hmm. so there will be more time to talk about this band and this album and a whole lot of other stuff. Cause like we got time. There's like the, the lead singer is a gay man, mm-hmm. which I, I found out later. And he speaks about that very honestly in the lyrics too. Now we're like before, which is like romance was presented as romance. And like yeah. now he's evolved to like write about from like a literal, like I'm a gay person, mm-hmm. like stance and like, Seeing that from Buzzcocks to New Against Me. Yeah. Where it's like, Buzzcocks, if you listen to um, Have You Ever Fallen in Love with Someone You Shouldn't Have Fallen in Love With, yeah, it's completely gender neutral. They work out every pronoun yeah, to be like, this could be a better name because this is about love. Uh, and then now you hear like very more like of a literal approach to it. Yeah. And like having that perspective on this older stuff, it somehow feels like it's like a, some like level of protest to it too, where it's just like, no, this is like, cause it wasn't like, it didn't even change pronouns. Like it would say like male pronouns in romantic mm-hmm. song, but like it would kind of gloss over them. But like seeing how that's evolved, how he's been much more like out in the world about it. It's just like, that feels like its own sort of protest of just like, no, just, Whatever, do what you're gonna do. Like it's, yeah. everything is fine. You're, the only thing that's holding you back is you when you're yeah. like trying to work around these yeah, I, things. I, I, I like knowing that that meaning was in the songs the whole time, but I found something entirely different. Entirely from it. different, right? And like it's, it's the same thing with the Brandy Carlisle song, where it's like you sit down, and it's like this song's not about anyone's mom. Yeah, but you can assign your own thing, and now that song is yours. Yeah, and like, like you own a piece of that song, however small. I think that's the risk that an artist takes because you hear people go up to musicians after shows and be like, "Oh, is this song about that?" Yeah, and a lot of them I, just go. I always feel so awkward in that line. Yeah, <laughs> like no, don't do that. Please, but it's also like, does it mean that? And a lot of times, I've experienced musicians go, "Sure, yeah," because that's the right Which answer. It's the best answer. Yeah, is, is, yeah, sure. Like. <laughs> I can't tell you that it doesn't. Yeah, my when I was playing music more regularly, I did an EP uh, where I wrote songs based off of this is a whole concept thing, uh, but part of it is based off of a guy named Carl Walenda, who was a tightrope walker, who uh, famous. His family is still in the tightrope walking game and that hustle. Okay, uh, <laughs> but um, he was trying to uh, cross a canyon in Puerto Rico a big gust of wind came by that no one was anticipating and he just fell to his death. That's why I can't watch that. Yeah. So I was like, I I did, I never watched it. I just read about it. Um, and I was like, this is a great idea for a concept, but had adapted it into more of an emotional thing and like applying my own, uh, experiences to it. Yeah. Uh, and when I put that out, I would have every once in a while, kids come up and be like, is that about like when he was like, is it like about this or about that? And I had to remember, I'd be like, Okay, it's not about your girlfriend. It's whatever they want it to be <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> like it's for like you put it out to the world, so you gave it to them. They get yeah. to t- assign whatever they want to it. 
I don't want to yell back. I was like, no, it's about me being sad. Yeah. It's always about me being sad. Like the, the, the one more thing I'll say about this song specifically mm-hmm. is he has songs now and they, he, I'm not sure mm-hmm. if they're a band or a person. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. I've seen him twice this year, once with just him mm-hmm. and once with the band and nothing seemed different. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't, I don't know how to refer to the band. So there's like a backing band, but it's all his ideas and yeah. lyrics and yeah, writing. He's, he's okay. the guy. But he has songs now that are much more kind of on the nose about just like being a queer person, finding your own community, and like that becomes your family. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the same theme of this is like you know, your, your, your friends are your family. It's who you find. Yeah. If, even if you're not looking at them, that's who they are. That's who like, they are. They're there. That's the, they. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful sentiment, which is something, and to find that on your own when you need it the most yeah. is really powerful. Yeah, and I think the reason it's a sad one for me is that I found it after I had left like, that group. Mm-hmm. Like I, I found him in Boston, and then I moved back to Philly. Mm-hmm. And I found it after and that. And you're still there. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like that a lot. Yeah. All right, so we still have to do yours. Yep. What is your... Sadness trigger. So my sadness trigger is the folk song, uh, "You Are My Sunshine," but there is a story behind it. I even before you say it, it's uh-huh. it feels like it shouldn't be, but I immediately go to a place where I get it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like you listen to it now, you can listen to like you know preschoolers singing it, yeah. which honestly like. If a, if a group of children is singing the song, I will start crying immediately. Oh, anytime, sure. anytime that's going to happen. Uh, but when I was born, I had uh, the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck a bunch. Yeah. Basically, I was a bright blue baby. Um, and the doctors were very nervous about it. Uh, they had told my mom, listen, you had uh, complications with pregnancy in the past when she had my sister. Yeah. Don't have another kid. It won't work out. And then she was like, I have a kid. Uh, so, it, the bill cards wrapped in my neck. They, because of my mom's then religious leanings, she's kind of fallen away from the Catholic Church. Sure. Uh, she, Same with my mom when I was That's what happens. <laughs> uh, basically, she uh, asked for the, pre, pre, uh, the, the hospital had asked for um, the priest to come in and read me my last rites. Yeah. Uh, and when we were doing that, my mom decided to sing You Are My Sunshine while she was holding me over the last rites. That is and devastating. So, yeah, it's <laughs> devastating. And you just, the way I've like pictured it in my head over and over again, anytime I've heard that song, it's, it's so visceral. We're like, I can't, like, I don't know if I'd well up immediately thinking about it, but uh, it's played over and over in my head so much because it's not something that you're conscious of at yeah, that point. That is one of those songs that, like, even if you didn't hear it, like, immediately upon your birth, yeah. you would have heard it a thousand times yeah. in your like, and then infancy. I would say maybe later on in my you know, early, like, still single-digit birthdays and stuff. Yeah. That song would come on on commercials or something. It was on like a Jimmy Dean commercial. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. yeah and my mom would start crying immediately. And I wouldn't know why. And then one so, day when I was like emotionally ready, she told me the story. And I was like, gee, well, how, how old do you think you were when she felt it was time to tell you? She had a very. So when my parents divorced, she kind of was. She's always a very like 
uh, uh, organized person. Okay. So she basically in her head had like figured out different ages to break things to me at. Okay. So like broke to me. I like she figured this out on her own. Yeah. She had sort of just like, I think she probably read like some sort of parenting book and was like, okay, I just mean like it wasn't a joint decision. No, not at all. Okay. Because for a while, me and my dad didn't talk. We're on very good terms now. Um, he was basically like every other weekend, and then there was a 10-year gap Okay, up until maybe five years ago that we just didn't talk. Got it. Um, but there was like, okay, at this point, I think he's ready that he should hear about how he was born. And at this point, I think he should hear about uh, why me and his dad divorced and don't speak. Here's like a thing where like he should hear about this, he should hear about that. So it's like things are breaking down pretty easily. The last big one was at 21 she asked uh, if I wanted to change my name because I'm named after my dad. And she was like, we'll pay for it. We'll follow the paperwork, but it's up to you. Wow. And she was like, you feel like you're ready to handle that. And that's a heavy thing. Yeah. And then I had another, I have a lot serious. Was that something you had thought about? It had been mentioned because I have an older sister. So okay. I think she was asked too. It's like, do you want John to adopt you? And your last name would be Rogers instead of Bruderman. Um, but I had another manager where I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, I can, I don't, I wouldn't want to be Rogers. I want my mom's maiden name. My grandma's maiden name kind of works well because it's Grimes and George Grimes sounds kind of nice. It does feel like you're like, yeah, either an anti hero or a villain. Exactly. Uh, which is all I've ever wanted to be. Uh, <laughs> but then I had a boss. I was like, he was like, why are you writing your name down with different last names a bunch? And he like, explained the situation to him. Yeah. And he pulled me aside and was like, you could be the best George Bruderman you can. That's and you deserve that. And I was like, I work at a print shop. You that's should very be. generous. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so he like made sure to like make sure I knew that, and that's why I'm still George Bruderman to this day. Yeah. And I have a relationship with my father because you know I feel like it would have been very difficult to try to be like, hey, I want to rekindle things. Oh, by the way, sure. it's Grimes now. Yeah. I'm I'm not the person you left. Yeah, which I mean. That's part of that conversation anyway, but... Mm-hmm. We'll when, get into it. I'm sure if we keep up with these uh, emotions and stuff, we'll definitely get into the deeper lore of oh, of, sure. of the Bruderman breakup. <laughs> I mean, I but, hope so. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. Uh, but, yeah, so You Are My Sunshine is a song that, uh, no matter what or when, it I don't know if it'll elicit tears as quickly as yours did, and that's not it's, a judgment of yours being like, ha you cried. Yeah. It, is, it is just being like, it is an immediate rendering of emotion where, like, I'll shut down for a little bit. I'll be like, I need a second to just is, gather everything. Is there a version that jumps out? Well, you had mentioned before uh, the Connor Oberst version that is rough. Uh, I mentioned the Pete Seeger version. Yeah. That is, it's, it's rough enough it's, where it... It's a little more up. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a little more up, but I think I'm a big fan of music that render that like creates emotion um when it's the opposite sure like that's why i love tarantino's use of music in his movies where i actually did a sketch about it once where i was like okay it's an in, in-depth killing scene but then like uh, georgie girl plays in the background instead of like action music or yeah uh what was another one that we use we use that one we use sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows as one of them as just being brutally murdered. I think there was a video game that did that with that song. Yeah. Some like gruesome video game that did it. Right, well, like uh, Bioshock, when that first came out, I'm a huge Bobby Darren fan, and Bioshock oh, used yeah. Beyond the Sea as their music, and, I, and that 
blew me away. Yeah, where, huge Bobby Darren. I'm a huge Bobby Darren fan. I w- that was almost my happy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like Brendan Fraser movies or Bobby Darren songs. There's a there's a Bobby Darren song called Clementine that is that would never get past the censors these days. Really? It is just about a a miner who has a fat daughter that goes to bring the cows to see the the farmer and she breaks a bridge, falls into the ocean, and then whalers try to get her because they think she's a whale. Wow. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, my darling, chubby Clementine. It is. Wow. He also wrote a song called Artificial Flowers. I don't know if he wrote them, but he performed them, a song called Artificial Flowers. It's about a little girl whose parents both die, and she lives in a tenement building, and she makes fake flowers, and then all of a sudden the window breaks in her tenement, so she's freezing, and then they find her all covered in ice, but then when she goes to heaven, she has a garland of genuine flowers. And Bobby Darren ends the song with a song that was like, like a big, beautiful, like big band ending. You know how they do. It's yeah. like everything's swelling up. Everything, yeah. And then he leans into the microphone and goes, give her the real thing. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Bobby Darren, Did he man. try to make that like romantic? No, Is it was just like, like it, but it's like, it's just like a bebop song, like a big band, like. Like that, like give her the real thing feels like, yeah. oh, forget the words I just said. Yeah. Get her real flowers. Give her real flowers. She deserves a baby. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let's just, I'll make a playlist. Like <laughs> that can only be a real story, too. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things. Also, like, Splish Splash is about an orgy and no one like, that plays an earbud. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Bobby Darren's the best. I think that's an Ed also monkey movie. Oh, yeah. Well, no, is it Ed or is it Dunstan? Because there's Dunstan. Dunstan checks in. Great movie. And is, Rupert Everett's in that movie. We did it for really? a circle. We Hell yeah, dude. All right. We might as well wrap it up there. This is but great. Also, Ed, Ed is the monkey playing baseball movie with Matthew LeBlanc. <laughs> so that's it. That's episode one. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You made it all the way to the end. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate um, you listening the whole way. And we appreciate you. And uh Ooh. That was that was uh, that was fun to listen to again. I don't know about you, but I don't realize how nasally I sound most of the time. Yeah, it's it's very weird. I mean, hopefully in the future they won't be as far separated from when we recorded them. Nah, but it it is weird We're going gonna, back and our our goal in this podcast is to record six months beforehand and then do these intros and outros after. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's the greatest thing to do, especially just it makes people want it more after six months. Yeah, especially um, the people who did them. Yeah, right. Our guests are like, did I ever do your show? Did no. your show come out? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, so that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I think me and Dan both wanted to say that uh, we talk heavily about emotions and stuff, which can kind of stir up stuff. And uh, if you ever need to reach out and talk to someone about your heavy emotions, uh, please feel free to message us on either of the uh, socials. I think we'll have our own yeah, we'll, social. We'll have our bit. own soon. You'll be able to... Find us on all of the places you find them. But until then, I mean, we both have our own stuff. Yeah. So you can find us there. We'll. It's a, it's important to feel feelings, uh, which I think is part of why we did this show. But um, it's 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 terrible when you have those feelings and no one you feel like there's no one else that can talk to you or understand. So feel free. So thank you guys so much. Uh, see you eventually. Yeah. We'll be back. <laughs>